0: Chris, i'm crystal b with same cast different Day, and this is another great episode with the same cast different day podcast with the man the legend the person i know very well as mr martel roland did
1: you just call me a legend that's like old people status <laughs> i'm not i'm not that old i refuse to be called a, a legend that's like old people
0: Oh my goodness. I was just trying to have a little fun with them by the way. By the way, <laughs> welcome, welcome in the same cast every day, everyone. I'm your co-host, Crystal B. The man, the man that runs this operation. <laughs> Mr. Martel Rowan, everyone.
1: The man that runs operation. I guess I guess I guess that can work. I guess that can work. He's
0: but- he's the CEO. Just <laughs> let's
1: the CEO. Well, thank y'all all. Thank you. they the a wine kicking in already. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode. So today I'm gonna to talk about some things that went on with me this week. And also later on in the podcast, we have a singer, songwriter, and producer Matisse. Uh join well, I did an interview with him earlier this week. So maybe you'll be able to hear that later on in the episode. But to start start things off, um, so Tuesday, I did the interview with him on Tuesday, and then Wednesday, I played hooky from work, and we went to Green Bay for the first day of training camp for the Green Bay Packers, and guess who showed up if you don't know who showed up? Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, and I believe Randall Cobb was there, too, so it was quite a sight, and I got to be on TV twice on two different networks, so it was pretty awesome.
0: Ooh.
1: <laughs> so um. I think we was on Fox Eleven in Green Bay. Yep. that's correct. And then we was on TMJ Four in the Milwaukee area. Um, we, Same. my cousin, uh, DeJuan, um, <laughs> he was heckling the players. So like they was grabbed like the bikes and was rides like across to like the practice field, and he was like literally heckling everybody who had walked past. It was hilarious. There were these two uh, rookies. I forgot their names. But uh, they didn't want to ride the bikes, I guess. So he was like, he was making fun, like, no, go get the bike. Y'all think y'all too good to ride the bike. Go get a bike. Show these kids some love. Go get a bike. He literally heckled them until they went and got a bike and rode a bike to practice. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a very eventful and yet fun uh, week so far. Because I have my cousin from Phoenix and I have my cousin who stays out in Seattle, Washington, who are both here this week. So it's been it's been quite a week so far. Uh, I got. I believe I need to post the pictures. There's some pictures already on my Instagram of um, Aaron Rodgers during practice. Uh, I think I put some videos on there on TikTok also. So make sure y'all check out those videos. Um, one thing I do want to put out though: would you guys please stop with the? I can't believe you was out there in all them crowds of people and nobody was wearing a mask. I was like, first of all, people. Okay, I'm gonna need y'all to get this straight. Out of the whole entire state, there's only 900 people that's hospitalized with COVID. And majority of those people that are hospitalized are people who are not vaccinated. So please shut the hell up when it comes to talking about me being out in public with a no mask on, outside. Just shut the hell up, okay?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, to be, yes, that is very true. You should just be on, Just You know what? take care this. If you choose to, you know, get vaccinated and we always hear at same guest every day, recommend that you do get vaccinated for your safety, not just of yourself, but everybody around you for but, the people
1: who can't get the vaccine. That's why it's so important to get the vaccine
0: for, for, and that's true. And so, you know what, when you're out and about, um, You know, you take proper precautions and you try to keep distance from other people that you might not interact with all the time. And that's a normal protocol, by all means. Before we had COVID, there's people that didn't know other people and it was the same routine. People just didn't hang out with other people. So this routine's never changed, just that now it's more, you know, more standard procedure now. I mean, by all means. But I mean, I
1: I think that pretty soon, if we wear the mask for too long, a common cold is going to kill us. Because oh, yeah. we're we're not yeah. allowing our bodies to be exposed to certain bacteria and germs that where our body bodies learn how to fight these things off. So, mm-hmm. I mean, eventually we need to be able to just have to go out in public with no mask on.
0: Uh, to to be honest, you know, I understand. Like in Japan, China, they do do that where they actually, when you're sick, you wear a mask, but you're already sick, you already have the exactly cold, have the cold, and this is a way to prevent it to spread. It's I absolutely- understand. Like, that's like that's to me i don't know why that hasn't been protocol for years a long time ago since we were kids why it wasn't why it wasn't something like this out and about and out for you know really the general public saying hey by the way make sure your kids are sick they gotta wear a mask for a week or two weeks or whatever it is you know exactly yeah. Why do mean I mean, if I get if I get sick or else get sick, I'm gonna tell them wear that wear that damn mask. Put that mask
1: on. Just wear. Exactly. Why is that so freaking hard? Just wear the freaking mask. But yeah, people were giving me so much flock. Like even when I was down at the uh, at the NBA Finals game where the Bucks won a championship, people was giving me so much flock for being out there around all those people with no mask on. You gotta think at that time there was close to over hundred thousand people in downtown Milwaukee. And out of that time period, within that one week time period, out of over 100,000, 900 people tested positive. So at this point, it's not a big worry for me. At this point, like I said, I said, like I said, people who are vaccinated can still be carriers. Yes, that is true, and that you, you can still carry it. But at the same time, the whole point of getting vaccinated is that if you were to get the virus, you don't end up in the hospital on life support.
0: Facts. These are all true facts. Is there all solid facts? Speaking of,
1: none of the Packers was wearing a mask when they were on the practice field. People, so hey, get your shit together.
0: I mean, I mean to be honest with you, I mean, uh, one of the baseball players for the Milwaukee Brewers, Kristen Yelich, actually just tested positive
2: mm-hmm. after
0: having both shots. I don't know which one he had again, Pfizer and Moderna, um, but he had him. I mean, he still could test. You could still you know, you could still get, you could still get, okay.
1: Yeah. You could still get the virus, but it's like, far as like, um, the symptoms is very minimal. So it's like almost like you don't feel any symptoms at all, or it's almost like having a common cold.
0: You know, you may get coughs and sneezes cold You might feel a down.
1: Right. righty. So before we get too far along, I guess we should get into the interview and let the interview play. We so ladies and gentlemen, uh, singer songwriter and producer Matisse is talk with me so here you go welcome everybody and thank you for joining me on this episode of same cast different day podcast I have with me here recording producer songwriter Matisse here with me thank you for joining me on this episode hey what's up man how are you I am wonderful so one of the first things I want to talk to you about. So according to my research, you put out your first single in 2017, which I didn't even know about that. Tell me how the journey has been so far.
2: Yeah. So um so it's actually interesting. I, I actually put my first single out even before that. Um, but that oh, really? was yeah, so so I actually I, I switched my name uh ah. back in 2017. So before that, you know, I went under my original name, Sebastian Rivera, and um, you know, I was doing I was doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, I I started started music when I was like seventeen years old. Um, So I I actually well, even younger than that. But I started making my own music when I was seventeen, at least. Um, You know, I was kind of doing the singer songwriter thing. I did um, you know pop, funk, uh, R and I mean, I've I've pretty much been like all over the spectrum. Um, But in two thousand seventeen that was the first time that I went under Matias and um, the whole reasoning behind that was basically I was kind of moving more into kind of the mix with with Spanish and English music so you know in 2017 is when I first went back down to Colombia um, and started working on music down there because um, you know, my, my family's from down there so I kind of started reconnecting with my roots and everything and you know you know, this past year in um, 2020 was the first time that I put anything out fully in Spanish. So before that, it was always kind of a mix of, of Spanish and English, you know, kind of thing. Uh, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting. I mean, you know, this, this has definitely been probably um, the most successful year for me so far and the most consistent year for me. You know, as far as putting out music with, uh, with consistency, you know, I'm working on getting some new stuff out now. Um, but for this past year, I was pretty much releasing every six to eight weeks, you know, with the music, which I saw is, uh, is definitely the format to kind of go with. It's just, you know, having to constantly put out, you know, material and, and being able to kind of provide something fresh to my audience, you know, with, uh, with, with a schedule.
1: Yeah. And I've been enjoying the music that you've been putting out over the last few months.
2: (laughs) Thank you. you. Uh,
1: It's kind of helping me, uh, learn a little bit of Spanish. So hopefully uh, (laughs) it'll keep me going with the Spanish. There you go. Um, (laughs) <laughs> so one of the singles i had listed was one of your early singles was wild side and then i was like blown away by that because i didn't even know about those singles and so i went back a few weeks ago was like wait hold on there's like more so <laughs> i got excited i was like so where did that whole when you started doing like that part of that genre of music like what, what made mm-hmm. you go into that
2: so i mean i think a lot of it was just kind of again like i said kind of reconnecting my roots um i ended up working with uh, a few producers out of Columbia. Uh, the one in particular that I worked on that project with uh, was this guy named uh, Pingui and another guy named Juan de Morales. And um, basically, you know, they they kind of said to me, they're like, oh, dude, why don't you, why don't you try to kind of bring, you know, marry the, the two backgrounds that you have together? I mean, they said, you know, you are, you are Colombian, you know, and you are kind of reconnecting with your whole roots here and your family and everything else in the culture. So why don't you try to bring part of that, but also bring, you know, what you have from your pop background and kind of marry the two together. Um, so that's kind of how that, that whole thing got started, you know, it was, it was from more or less just kind of trying, trying to find a fusion. And I mean, you know, you've seen me on my, my IG lives, stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. I, I like to, I like to find fusions in music. I kind of get bored of just, you know, everyone copying what everyone else is doing. I mean, to me, that's just, I don't know. It's not, Interesting. It's not you know groundbreaking, and I think when you look at you know musics that have really kind of set a trend um, as a whole, there's just always someone who's who's the first to kind of take something and just take it slightly out of the box, you know, and, and kind of just slightly tweak it to make it their own by maybe blending two genres together or kind of giving their own their own taste and vibe and style to something. Um, but you know, it's in this industry, I feel like a lot of times you know people sometimes you're afraid to step out of the box. And I feel like that's once, once you learn to step out of the box, that's really where the, the creative start creativity starts to set in and you can really kind of, you know, develop your own, your own trend and your own vibe.
1: Yeah. That is one thing I really enjoy at gravitated towards with your music is their ability to step out the box and then the, the sound of it. Cause it's not, when I listen to a lot of today's music, it's like, I get bored with it really fast. And that's yeah. one of the things I really love about your music. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And and that's and that's kind of been my goal is to just kind of always like, I don't know, like I, I come from, a, I mean, out, outside of like the whole pop world, like when I started in music, I started in in like classical and opera when I was like, you know, seven years old. So, I mean, I was kind of coming from a really totally different like perspective and space of music. You know, um, I like the musicality of music. So, I mean, to me, I try to involve elements of that without without overcomplicating it you know what i mean but uh, i try to keep you know some of those elements into my music and i you you see sometimes when i'm building music out i like to build harmonies and i like to build stuff that kind of just it keeps the ear going you know what i mean it's something that just kind of you know tags you as as you move through the music to show a progression
1: that is true i really enjoy that so so when did you realize you had the the music itch like when did you was like this is what i want to do
2: Oh, since I was a kid I mean like I, I started music when I was like I said probably like seven I mean and before that I used to I don't know if you remember like the uh I can't remember what that was I don't know if it was Looney Tunes there's one of those like you know t- like cartoon tv shows there's that little frog that used to hop out of the box and was singing
1: like opera or you know oh I think that's like the WB frog or something like that yeah, WB <laughs>
2: frog. yeah that's what it was yeah <laughs> I used to run around the house like you know imitating him and stuff when I was a kid so I mean I don't know, It just kind of, I just had the bug and it just, I, I can, I pursued it ever since that. I mean, you know, throughout pretty much my whole life growing up as a kid, I mean, I was involved with something with either the theater or with, um, you know, like I said, like classical, you know, classical music or opera. And then it was around like probably 15, 16 that um, I started to uh, play guitar. And, you know, I, I kind of wanted to switch from this I wanted to switch from this position of singing other people's music because I was always singing other people's music, things that other people wrote, you know, shows and whatnot, to being able to kind of compose and create my own music. Um, so once I had the ability to start playing guitar, that's where that kind of all set into place. And I started, you know, writing songs and, and playing everywhere. I mean, you know, when I was like 18 or 19, when I just got out of high school, um, you know, I used to go to New York and I would play in the subway for hours and hours really? and hours. Yeah. I played on subway. I played on the streets in New York. I played, you know, Ocean City, Maryland. I would go down and play on the boardwalk. So I mean, my guitar for the longest time was like uh that was like my girlfriend, you know. <laughs> she, went, she went everywhere with me. And, you know, I'd be playing any anytime I had the opportunity to go out and play, I would be playing, you know. So um, you know, it's it's been it's it's an interesting uh it's an interesting progression, especially now kind of moving to music where you know, it's more more production behind it. But I mean, a lot of times even still like I'll try to start with with my composition with a guitar or with a piano or something, you know, that kind of allows me as a bass instrument to start building up everything around it. But, yeah, I mean, my my uh, my guitar went everywhere with me for many years.
1: <laughs> so speaking of your piano for I was when I was just watching the last the last live that you did, I had no idea you played the piano. I knew about the guitar, but I didn't know about the piano. So what other tricks are you hiding? Like what (laughs) instruments can you play besides those? Well,
2: those are the two, those are the two main ones for me. So, I mean, like, and I'm not the best piano player. I can, I can diddle around, you know, and I can get the general idea. But um, those are the two main ones for me. I, you know, when I was growing up, I tried to play a little sax and not really my thing. And, (laughs) you know, drums, forget it, I'm horrible. (laughs) I can't, I don't know why, but I can't <laughs> play the girl. And I I mean sometimes I can program them, but it's like, I don't know, something just doesn't compute, you know. And I it's interesting because you know, even some of the guys that I work with, um, a lot of times will you know, when we work on productions together and stuff, like I'll end up coming up with really cool top line melodies or coming up with cool chords or progressions or stuff like that. And, you know that's where I excel but then when I ask like them they can come up with really dope like you know bass and drums so I think sometimes people just you have they have a gravity towards one or the other you know and those who can really excel can do both you know what I mean but I've I've noticed a lot of times it's like you know you always find one person that can kind of compliment the other when it comes to you know producing music so I mean that's why I've always personally have been a big fan of collaboration as well.
1: Speaking of your collaborations, I love seeing you collaborate with uh with like other writers during your Instagram lives. And yeah. then you actually take advice, actually use some of the advice too from like the people who's like writing in the comments. And I really enjoyed that. What made you start wanting to do that, especially on Instagram live?
2: You know, that was something kind of new, honestly. So, I mean, I just, I just kind of started saying to myself, I mean, I'm like, you know what? Let me kind of just put stuff directly out to my public. You know what I mean? Because I mean, at the end of the day, like, the people that are on my Instagram and the people that are watching me or the people that are consuming my music. So why not then let them be a part of that, you know, whole process. So I said, you know, yeah. why not? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's rather new to me even still. I mean, this is only in the past couple of months that I've really been doing that, but um, I like it. I mean, it's cool. It gives, it gives me honestly like direct automatic feedback, you know what I mean? It, it, at the end of the day, like I said, the people on there are the ones who consume my music. So you know, I figure, Hey, if it gives them an opportunity to feel like, you know, part of the collaboration process, that's awesome too. And, you know, when I'm working with other writers and stuff, you know, it's um, I think it's, it's kind of neat because to me, it's like, imagine, imagine like, you know, the first car being built, but imagine being able to kind of stream that to the world and, and let the consumer almost be part of that. Imagine how much that can streamline or could have streamlined the process you know, like maybe, maybe there could have been an input from someone halfway across the world that said, Hey, you know what, that chair doesn't look exactly right. Maybe you try to angle it, you know, this way, 15 degrees or something. And I mean, it, I think it just, it, it, when you have, when you have kind of this open network and this kind of open environment behind things, things progress faster, you know, and, and things can actually improve faster. And, you know, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm really big into like, you know, tech and I'm really big into just, just business in general too. So, and I read a lot of books. And, you know, one thing that there's been a lot of talk about is just, you know, open networks and um, no name skipping right, right now, the, uh, the actual formal name of it. But anyway, kind of this open network communications, they, they do allow for things to develop much faster than keeping things kind of closed and private and, you know, kind of elusive from everyone. So, you know, I, I figure it's kind of it's, an, it's a different and interesting way to write.
1: Yeah, because from watching your lives, I never knew how much production goes into, like, producing a song. Like, I've oh, yeah. seen it from the aspects of where everything is kind of, like, already put together, and a person was just going in, like, I just need to do these lines. But mm-hmm. seeing you do it from scratch, I was like, wow. Yeah. Like, I never knew how much work goes into pr- producing a track. Oh, and, yeah. And then to see you, like, like you're like, oh, no, that doesn't sound right. And then you go back and I was like, like can we see you do, like, 10 or 15 takes one time during the during one of your online your live sessions so i was just like i was just blown away by how much production goes into you know producing track and you letting your audience see that i think that's like a, a big plus because not a lot of artists let their you know their audience see or their listeners people buying their music or streaming their music listen, and see I see <laughs> that part of the work that goes into producing the music for them
2: yeah. And I, and I think that's kind of cool too. I mean, like I said, I, I think a lot of people you know, they, they kind of want to keep that part more elusive and kind of more mysterious, but I mean, I don't know, at the end of the day, like the way I look at it is again, I think it's in, nowadays more so than more, more so than any, any time before this, I mean, you know, your audience wants to be able to see the process, you know, and it's, it's like, I go back to my, my point. I mean, You know, we never had a point in time where we could so directly and immediately be able to share this process that we go through with with our audience. And I mean, I look at people even like, um, you know, a guy that I've been watching for a while um, is uh, Gary V or Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know if you've heard of him before. Um, But, you know, a friend of mine, actually, he (laughs) who shot my one of my actually my first music video. He's -hmm. actually uh, that guy D-Rock who works with him. So he shoots all of his stuff Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. So ironically enough, when he started working, working with him, I started following him. Um, But, you know, he even talks about that process a lot and he kind of, you know, he's very, one thing that I, I, he says that I really appreciate and I think I really gravitate towards is he's like, you know, don't, don't filter yourself, just document everything, document everything, record everything. And then if you want to filter out into bite-sized clips for, you know, whatever platform it is, then you can filter. But I mean, if you're, if you immediately start filtering yourself and you immediately stop kind of like the creative process from happening, because you're worried about what someone's going to think or what someone's going to say, or what someone opinion, opinion is of something, you're limiting yourself at that point. You know what I mean? So, I, I mean, I, I just, I love the ability to kind of be able to go on live and okay. If I mess up, I mess up. I mean, we're all human. Right. So, right. but I, I think, I think a lot of artists don't want to show that part, you know, they're, they're afraid to show that part because it is a personal thing. And it is like opening up your, your 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 life you know to to what's going on with your behind your music and everything like because this you know i think the creation of music is something that is something very interpersonal you know what i mean because you're essentially allowing expression expressionism coming out from yourself you know and putting that out to the world and i think everyone wants to just see that you know feel like they see the final product but like you just said i don't think a lot of people know how much goes behind it and how much you know actually goes behind creating that song so I think it also now for the audience kind of develops a higher sense of appreciation for music, you know, cause I think most people, they hear a song, eh, I don't like it or eh, I like it. You know what I mean? So, but they don't understand like, you know, people are spending hours and hours and hours and hours in a studio mm-hmm. developing these ideas. And I mean, so even if I find a song that I'm not necessarily a fan of, I'm, I'm not going to necessarily trash it right away either, because I know that, there was there was hours and hours and hours spent behind creating that piece of music whether it's whether it's my taste or not is you know is is subjective you know but at the same time like i know i I can appreciate the value of what went into that
1: you know right i can understand what you're saying about the appreciation of it because i believe the last single that you had put out i remember you working watching you on instagram live working on that single And then I had no idea you was actually about to drop a video to it. So I started seeing the clips. I was like, oh, my God, it's like (laughs) it's about to hit. It's about to hit. I was so excited. So I understand what you mean by the appreciation of the fans or the listeners to be able to see that whole process come together.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So one of the things I want to talk, I remember, I don't know if it was about two months ago, you were supposed to be going to uh, a writing camp. I want to ask you about how that went.
2: Oh, so that went really well. That was down in Atlanta. Um, And like I said, I'm actually going back down um, this week. Um, But yeah, that went really well. We worked on some new music down there. I don't know if you saw my live the other day, uh, Libby, uh, the guy who was on there with me, uh, the Mm -hmm. producer. So I was working with him down there on some new material. And uh, yeah, we got about probably about four or five songs, um, like kind of just roughed out. So we were basically working on, you know, like getting just kind of finishing them up. So the idea was to kind of finish it, you know, during that whole time, but, you know, he had some, some personal stuff happen and, you know, just kind of our times didn't align. So, but the idea is now I'm going to go down there. Um, ideally finish up those, you know, uh, five, five records or so and work on some new stuff. And then also um, he's going to be hosting another writing camp down there for this week and the following week. And that'll be pretty cool. Cause I'm going to be working um, with him. Uh, I think this other guy named backpack Miller, I want to say his name is he's another producer. He worked with like Ray Shruman he worked with little Dirk, um, uh, a couple other, couple other big guys in the industry, but, and uh, to a couple uh, writers from Sony. So it's actually, it's gonna be pretty cool. Like we're going to be doing like a pretty, decent writing camp and working on you know a bunch of different music and then probably working on some stuff also for my project as well um at some point during you know during that week so yeah but it's definitely uh it's it's interesting i you know i've never really done the whole atlanta scene before um but i do like it and you know there's there's there is a lot of musical talent down there um i don't know if you saw my igos up at icon studios that was that was a really cool place to check out too that was that one studio
1: picture i had is that the one with um, the cool like the cool lighting in the background yeah yeah that place yeah. looks so awesome
2: oh uh, dude it looks like a like a spaceship when you walk in there so it's really
1: <laughs> oh man that has to be so speaking of the atlanta atlanta music scene what it was it was it like you expected when you got on the, in the atlanta uh atlanta music scene i mean
2: if it, it, it's different I mean like so I Atlanta as a whole was totally different for me like I actually I wasn't sure what to expect exactly so I guess I don't really have like you know def- definite expectations but I mean it was like really kind of interesting because there's just just from like even a cultural aspect there's a huge mix of culture there and I and I didn't really know that so it's like you know you have like a huge community of like people like Mexican people Asian people and then like you know obviously African-American community but I was like I was really interested by that because I just saw this huge blend and like it's kind of cool because it has its own vibe from that you know what I mean like same way you go to New York and you kind of get this like this whole vibe from all the cultures blending together so I don't know I'm always interested in that and I think you know the music that comes out of there is definitely always it's always influenced by those factors as well you know what I mean So, I mean, it was, it was kind of cool. Like, but the whole scene as a whole, I, I loved it. I thought it was cool. I mean, I definitely, like I said, I'm going back down. So
1: (laughs) I enjoyed myself. So what was your biggest takeaway from the uh, Atlanta Atlanta music scene?
2: I think my biggest takeaway um, was really just kind of like, I don't know. I I think it's more of a personal thing than than necessarily like um, a music thing. I think, for me it's it really wants to push me to kind of be more in a community with more like songwriters and more producers and being around more people like that like i've been really contemplating the move between um uh like los angeles or medellin for a while but then now checking out atlanta i'm like this might not be a bad place to come either you know what i mean because I don't know. It's, it's interesting where I'm at here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in Pennsylvania and it's, it's cool. You know, it's not bad. It's calm. It's, you know, but it's not, I'm not surrounded by creatives. You know what I mean? And sometimes I feel like, I don't know, being around that creative energy and being around other people who also create and, and build, like it just, it kind of supercharges you. You know what I mean? Where, I mean, here it's like, I'm working on my stuff by myself And and don't get me wrong. It's great. But I still feel like, you know, when I, even when I'm in Columbia, for example, like I go down there and I'm like, I don't know. I just feel a different vibe when I'm working with like four or five different people in a room versus just doing it kind of all by myself, you know? So I think my biggest takeaway, like I said, is not necessarily anything directly from the Atlanta scene, but just more so kind of a, a personal thing of, you know, saying, well, I, I think I need to put myself around more creatives. I need to be surrounding myself more with that, that physical energy, because when you, com- when you compose and create and produce something in person and, and having the other person right in the room with you, bouncing off ideas, bouncing off a of vibe, it just, it creates a whole different kind of thing versus if you're just kind of, you know, hanging out on the computer and doing things virtually,
1: you know? Right. So, uh, I don't, I don't know if it was in Columbia or it's another place you were talking about, you said had an apartment there. So were you still planning on hosting, uh, like the writing section there that you were talking about?
2: In Colombia, yeah, well, so I was, I was talking to, um, I'm actually, so at the end of August, I'm going to be going down to Aruba to work with, um, I don't know if, I don't know if you've ever seen Omar on our uh, live sessions, um, but, you know, he's, I'm working with him. He's a producer out of Aruba. So we were going to, we were thinking about going to Medellin initially to host a writing camp down there. Um, but I think what we're going to do now is I'm going to go to Aruba, shoot the video down there, and then also host a writing camp down there. Mm-hmm. And then maybe, depending on what's going on with my schedule come the fall, um, I think I might be going to Medellin and probably doing a camp down there as well. So we'll see what happens. Like I said, I'm, I'm just like kind of right now, I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out where the next move is too. But like I was saying before we, before we started recording, I'm thinking about LA, but I like also – I don't know just the whole COVID thing I'm like I don't know if I want to head out there quite <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> but we'll see you know but yeah I'm just kind of trying to figure out the the direction of where I'm trying to take everything
1: all right so let's just say about 10 years from now and you're on mm-hmm. stage for accepting album of the year for at the Grammys mm-hmm. what what would you think you would say to yourself you let mm-hmm. yourself now if you had a chance to tell if your future so tell you something now I
2: think the thing I would tell myself now is, is just to keep consi- continuing to be persistent and consistent. I mean, that's, I think that's the biggest thing with this, with this whole thing. And and to not doubt anything that you do, just, just to continue pushing forward, because, you know, I, I kind of look at a lot of things in life. It's like, it's like surfing, you know, like you kind of, you, you feel the wave that comes up behind you. And, you know sometimes people they just they stop paddling because they don't think the wave's actually going to crash but Mm. sometimes that's the biggest wave that you can take and they they give up basically before they actually have the chance to ride the wave you know and I think that's with anything in life like you have to be consistent you have to just continue to push 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 because the the minute that the wave's actually about to crash is probably the minute that you're so tired that you want to give up you know but you can't you can't you know what I mean so I, I think that's the same thing I would tell myself now and that's I think that's, that's ultimately what, what continues to push me to the point where I, I know I'll be there one day. It's just the matter of continuing the consistency, continuing to be, you know, every day working on my craft and, you know, it, it things, things will happen. I, I, I read a lot of stories about, you know, different people who have been successful in all kinds of different fields. And that mm-hmm. really that's, it's, it's so much more than anything else. It's the mindset. You know what I mean? If your mindset's not right, you can never reach that level, and 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 the reality is, if your mindset's not right, and you reach that level, it's going to be that much harder for you to hold on to it. Because once once you hit a point where you really hit <clears throat> like kind of a, a higher level success in your life, that's where the game really starts. Because it's now it's like, how do you hold on to that? You know what I mean? How do you how do you not let that go? You know?
1: Yeah, that is true. Because um, I think last year about some time, I was like really. So I was like, okay, I know what I don't think this whole podcasting thing is going to work out. And I was like, no, let me stay at it and keep going. And mm-hmm. now i run into you and I'm sitting here interviewing you. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. But yeah, this yeah. like, been it is like this whole ride has been such an amazing opportunity. Like I've gotten a chance now to interview politicians, um, working on getting the city mayor to come on. So it's it's been a ride for me.
2: Yeah. No. And that's, and that's the key, man. It's like a- anything in life though, is consistent of the same thing. It's, it's just a matter of being able to, again, just be consistent. If you show up every day, you have a heart, you, you've already beat half the people that are trying to do the same thing <laughs> that you do. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah. I think people don't realize that, you know, but it's like, it just a matter of being able to be consistent, show up and, and just when you do come in and give it your all, you know?
1: That is true. My microphone is want to act up today for some reason.
0: Okay.
1: okay. i have to do it like this. i so going to have to rough it out, people. All right. So who are your top three people that you want to do a uh, feature with? So I think probably a top three right now.
2: Mm, I would really love to do something with like Raul Alejandro. Uh, he's really great. Um, I think my second one would probably be like Pedro Capo. Um He's kind of more on the pop side. And then probably the third one would be um, uh, probably Camilo. I really like, I like a lot of his stuff. You know, he has kind of this like, he has a similar kind of tonal style to me too. You know, he has this higher kind of voice. So like he has some really cool stuff too. But those are probably my top in the Spanish market. In the English market, uh, probably, it's a good question. Mm, I probably would say like something with Dua Lipa would be really dope I really love a lot of her music Um, I would say probably that's a good question for the English market I know Dua Lipa would definitely be one of them I don't I have to think about the other two I'm not sure about the other two off the top of my head because I haven't really been focusing too much on that market but but definitely, I definitely like a lot of Dua Lipa stuff. And I've, I've seen her do some collaborations with Latin artists. Ooh, M- Miguel would be another cool one too. Miguel actually did a pretty cool crossover with Tiny, which was pretty neat. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah, if you haven't checked that out, check it out. It's called I Sun I might
1: am to go check that out.
2: Yeah, really cool record. They kind of they kind of took elements of like reggaeton, but like mixed it with Miguel's like kind of R&B style.
1: Mm-hmm. So, one of the people I, I feel like I, I wish I can get like this collaboration with you is like you and Selena Gomez. It's like You Selena Gomez and I think Charlie Puth would would have like the best like like combinations together. I think that would just be so awesome. That would be, and I (laughs) actually I I
2: really like Selena Gomez and I really really like Charlie Puth stuff. Like he's he's very interesting. So he's actually he's from New Jersey, and um I followed him for a while, and it's kind of interesting his whole you know background and stuff. So I mean he really started as kind of producing his own stuff and building out his own ideas. And then just kind of like building from there. And what I liked about him is Charlie Puth actually takes a lot, a lot, a lot of influences from like old school Motown type stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So like his, his whole, like his whole vibe to me is very interesting. And his whole creation process is very interesting. Cause I think he's very, he's very eclectic in his, you know, kind of his musical background and i think that's what really kind of sets him apart as an artist like it's not just like he's getting a record handed to him and saying okay sing this like no he's he's literally going from scratch and working on these records and and kind of really has this whole like very eclectic like background and and history of music which is interesting you know like i mean he's he's named some motown artists that i like i'm like i've never even heard of these guys you know what i mean so mm-hmm. like and i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty diverse in my musical backgrounds um but it's it's i think that's what really makes him kind of set up you know set apart as an artist as well
1: actually brings to a question i was going to ask you, you kind of touched on it, about artists who basically get told the scene is versus artists who write their own like who write and produce their own music so mm-hmm. when, when you're in when their on stage like you could tell like it was a song that was just given to them and you could tell like how their stage presence is so how do you feel about like doing covers and then and then doing your own music when it comes to, like the performance side of it
2: So, so I mean, it's, it's interesting covers covers to me are okay. Like I don't, I don't hate them, but they're not my favorite thing to do. You know what I mean? Um, I, I did, I did a cover band thing for a while and you know, that was cool and I enjoyed it and I had fun, but it's, I wasn't like, it wasn't. I, like we were doing covers and we were also doing my originals, but it wasn't really fulfilling me the way I wanted it to. You know what I mean? Um, but I think like, as far as, you know, I, I always prefer to write my own stuff or, you know, and, and I'll be honest, I do a lot of collaborations with different writers too, you know? Cause I do think that there's, again, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, like collaboration is, is something that's very interesting to me. And it's something that's kind of really cool because again, it opens up the perspective as to what you can talk about. And it opens up the whole, just, I don't know, the general well-being of the song, you know, because again, there's only so many experiences that I, experiences that I personally lived through, you know, in my life. Right. Now you take that, that same experience and I multiply it by three or four different people, you know, now you have a whole different, you know, a whole different set of things that you can work with from the words, from the, like actually uh, the writing events, like there's so much more that you can talk about. So, you know, I don't know. I, I like I said, going to covers, Eh, they're they're okay you know i don't mind them it's not my favorite but i'll do them (laughs) and um you know but when it comes to like writing you know going with original stuff or working with writers and something i i just i always like to have at least some involvement in the writing process even if it means that i just go in and and flip a couple things up to tell her it's more to my like more to my my story and my vision um you know i prefer i prefer that than just taking a song that's just totally pre-written and just given to me and told you know here sing this you know
1: right because uh Mariah Mariah Carey is like one of those artists I don't know if you ever noticed this but on every last mm-hmm. one of her albums she always did at least one cover of a song mm-hmm. so that's I was asking one that's why I was wondering like how did you feel about the whole cover situation
2: yeah yeah and, and you know it's it's interesting because I've never actually so I've never actually released like a cover and it, it is something you know I, I've been told to try that and I'm, I wouldn't maybe mind trying especially if i could take my own interpretation of the cover you know Mm -hmm. and and honestly if you look throughout history uh, i mean some of the biggest and you know greatest artists throughout history they started on a cover i mean you know if you if you look at like you know even the rolling stones rolling stones they were literally just playing loud blues music that's what they were doing they were taking blues and just (laughs) literally making covers of it and just getting their whole, their, like I said, their, their flavor and their touch to it really, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of artists throughout, throughout history have done that, you know, they, they started with something that was a cover and just, again, reinvented it because, well, at the end of the day too, all music is recycled, you know, Uh, music, music, pop culture, everything that you see, it is, it is a recycle of of something that's happened in the past, maybe just distant enough that people have forgot about it already, Mm -hmm. you know? Or distant enough that the new generation has forgot about it. Because I'm even seeing it now. I mean, look at look at all the music that's coming out now that has all this like 70s and 80s type vibe. You know, like for our parents, you know, that's something that's familiar. But I mean, for a lot of you know kids who are you know anywhere from 15 to you know, let's the the, t- the primary market in most for most artists is like let's say 15 to 25. They never heard '80s music. Maybe they heard it a little bit with their parents, you know, playing in the house, but that's not not to the capacity of what they have it now, and not even to the capacity of probably you know what what even our generation, you know, being millennials, like have seen. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's it's very interesting. Everything just gets recycled and kind of you know upcycled, shall i say?
1: <laughs> but, so oh, uh, that's why I'm so against people using '70s and '80s music, especially from this generation. What a the music the artist that's out now, because I just feel like they ruined the music because it's just it's just it just doesn't sound that good it's it's
2: a re it's a reinterpretation I mean that's yeah. that's what it boils down to it's like you know they took I mean you know look I, I can I can I compare a record by like you know Dua lipa to like you know earth wind and fire no it's it's just not it's not the same thing man you right. know what I mean like you know you can't you can't put them in the same category but again like in my personal opinion, do I think it's bad? No, I don't think it's bad. I think it's someone that's now taking their personal touch and taste onto something and, and just kind of applying it. But do I think that it's something that I'm like, you know, would I prefer to still listen to earth, wind and fire? I mean, yeah. You know, I, I think that they've, they've created something that's a classic, but again, I think it, it all comes down to opinion, right? Because sure. if you really think about it, what makes a song a classic, you know what makes what makes a piece of music something that defines history you know um because it, like i said even even if you look at like the stones going back to that example okay well they became a classic you know they became a classic group that just known throughout history but mm-hmm. did they really reinvent anything no they they took blues music and just made it louder and faster
1: <laughs> i mean that's all they did yeah, I mean, so yeah, pretty much
2: yeah so so i mean you know, did the, is that, is that within enough of a definition to say it's became a classic? I guess, you know, it, it depends on what pop culture states and what the, the general populace states, you know what I mean? So it's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, but again, music is all, what I love about music is it's all about opinion. You know what I mean? It's all, it's all like all based on taste, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, cause with your music, it to me, it sounds fresh and new and it's not like what I'm hearing today because mm-hmm. when i turn on the radio today like it's, i kind of hate turning on the radio today because everything kind of sounds the same yeah. and then when you produce your music like i don't hear that like it's always something new which each single that you have putting out put out over the last few months so that's mm-hmm. that's, that's why i really enjoy listening to your music in a direction that it's going in and speaking of um, when is the next single dropping
2: so that i'm still trying to work on that's like that so so it's weird so this this is the first time in a year basically that I didn't have something without within like six to eight weeks. And I I think I just kind of needed a little bit of a mental like pause, you know what I mean? Cause I was getting a little bit burnt out. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, I'm working on stuff now. So like I said, I'm working on this record. Um, Hopefully we will be shooting the video by the end of the month. So Maybe September, you know, maybe yeah, probably I would say September or October at the absolute latest. I'm I'm trying to get something out before that. I'm thinking about maybe just putting something kind of out off the cuff kind of thing. Um nothing with a huge release behind it. But we'll see. I'm 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 working on it. I know I kinda I took a little a little pause, you know, because the last one was back in June, but you know, also just to be a hundred percent honest, this is, this is my summertime. This is the one time I get to come up here and, you know, spend some time with family and friends and stuff. So I'm just like, you know what? I, I gotta also enjoy my life. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is
1: true. It's just that I've know. been on the edge of my seat waiting.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, don't worry. But I got, I got some stuff coming out for sure. I mean, and, and once, once the new stuff does come out, it's going to be really cool. Like I said, I mean, the stuff I was showing you the other day, um, that was kind of working on those harmonies. That's going to probably be one of the next ones. And then um, from there, I got a couple other ones. It's funny because I have a couple of my back catalog, like a couple of ballads. And um, I have I have a really good one, but I just, I don't think I want to release it yet. You know what I mean? Like I'm just, I'm waiting for the opportune moment to release that. But I have, I have a really, really nice single um, that I, I do want to release soon. I'm just trying to find the right, opportune moment you
1: know i can respect that <laughs> yeah yeah it, 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 i guess the wait would be worth it once they drop so i'm, I'm Absolutely. ready for it i'm ready <laughs> <laughs>
2: awesome well they are coming they're coming don't worry <laughs> right.
1: well i want to thank you for allowing me the opportunity to interview you and come on the podcast it's been such a joy to have you on here with me
2: i appreciate it thank you so much for having me on and uh yeah just keep in touch with me on on ig and uh you know uh, for your listeners too they can they can check out my stuff matthias made it um and uh you know it's all my social media handles and yeah just stay in touch and hopefully you can get a couple a uh, couple of listeners to come in and pop in on the live too and we can all hang out
1: awesome <laughs> thanks for joining me all right thank you so much all right all righty so hopefully all of you enjoyed the interview with these uh it was so great to have him on don't forget to check out his social medias um I like don't forget that he does go live on Instagram uh quite often. So when he's like doing like recording sessions and stuff, he does allow his uh fans to be able to watch his recording process and actually let them uh you know give feedback and put input in on some of his music that he does. So make sure you guys go check him out. These made it. Uh that's his uh Instagram. So make sure y'all go check him out. And his music is available on all streaming services. So before we had uh you know, got into the interview. Like I was saying, we were talking about COVID, but Claire, what's been going on with you this week?
0: So um other than me, into my third third week of doing my voice lessons, um, I still do sound a little bit masculine, but I'm actually working on those lessons. So something that we will keep everyone updated and I will have to I got to work on myself. But um so I actually Uh, Last night, actually, uh, because we are in the state of Wisconsin, Martel is down in the southern, southeastern part. I'm in the kind of north-central part of the state. Actually, what happened was, is actually there was a warm front and a cold front, cold front kind of bump against each other and brought down a nice storm system. Um, And I had to leave my home, go to my parents, stay there for most of the night. Uh, because there was actually straight line winds of ex- excess of between 65 to 85 miles per hour, which is pretty close to like EF zero and EF one, kind of in that scale. So do do after do your research now. Do understand um, tornadoes are different from hurricanes. So as we, you know, this podcast is around the world, you have to understand that tornadoes do have hurricane force winds. So do understand um, just because tornadoes are more inland and hurricanes are more. Um, oceanic or oceanic that you have to make sure you do, you know, compare apples to apples. So I'm very happy to say my house is still one piece. I'm glad to hear Martel (laughs) slept through the whole thing. The
1: whole entire thing I heard. No rain, no thunder, no wind, not a chime, no tornado alarms that people were saying going off. I heard nothing. So if there was a real tornado that would have hit my part of the state, I probably would have been dead because I would have slept through everything.
0: (laughs) I am just happy that everybody. I mean, th- there was some warnings down by you. Actually, I did look at some. Yeah,
1: they actually had a, a tornado touchdown in Waukesha.
0: I did. I did see that. Yep, I did see that. They um they had, possibly in the state. I think right now we're up to like four tornadoes in mm-hmm. the state so far. So we we're talking from, um, from like around. Uh, I think there was. I think it's ninety. Yeah, Interstate ninety, kind of up by the Twin Cities. There, kind of up north kind of just past uh, Eau Claire, Chippewa Falls. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing how that was, there was like an EF one or two up there and it worked its way down there and it's it started stalling. It was going real fast. It started slowing down. Well, when things start slowing down, you, you have to understand things get really crazy kind of quick. Things can get really out of hand really quick.
1: The problem um, was mother nature doesn't know how to channel her anger Well, all she need to do is go drink a glass of wine and be happy and stop doing all this angry stuff like like, for instance, Texas, Arizona and and Louisiana, please come up here and get your weather. Once again, we don't like it. It's too damn hot. I don't like it. Come get your weather. I don't like it. I understand. I got to walk around with swamp butt all day. I don't like it. Come get your weather. (laughs) I'm just saying it be so hot. Oh my god! Like, oh, as soon as, as soon as, oh, it's man. like it's like as soon as I step outside, instant swamp butt. That's just how hot it's been. I don't like it. It just need to go away.
0: Oh, and it's it's so humid. I mean, I I work inside a building too, and it's so humid.
1: You see, it's you like, but you're lucky you ain't have swamp butt at work. <laughs>
0: it's just, no, I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't have that issue as a lady. I do not. So no, I actually no, I do not. But, um, I mean, yeah, I could. I could. I'm not saying it's possible, but,
1: you know. I'm just saying, Texas, come get your weather. I'm tired of Swamp Butt. That's all I'm saying. It, it's it's a, it's a lot. Just come get it. We didn't ask for this. Just like y'all didn't ask for snow, we didn't ask for this. Come get this stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what, everyone? I love how he actually says it. It's just like, Get it out of here. We want our seventies and fifties. Thank you very much. Yes,
1: like to me, the perfect day is seventy-six degrees, a blue sky with no clouds. That is like the perfect day for me.
0: I don't need it no hotter than that. You know, some like some nice white puffy clouds would look pretty. You know, by all means, yes. but you know what? It is pretty interesting. Now, you know, we talk about temperature change, and this is one thing actually we we talk about like storms or what happened last night. It's funny that um that last you know if you were to take the same temperature that it is right now it's probably in our 80s right now pushing almost 90 like normal for july which normally normally it normally doesn't get warm now we are we are at the um tail end of july which is normally where kind of a mid-july we'll start warming up in august and september usually where it stays pretty steady but but it's
1: hot here though but it don't get hot where it stays in like the 90s like this for like this amount of consecutive no, days. No, I think we went like four or five days where it was like 90 degrees straight, just swamp butt everywhere. Everybody walking <laughs> around with swamp butt. Now, I think that's why girls be wearing sundresses in the, in the in the summertime because they be having swamp butt and don't we want nobody to see that swamp butt. That's what it be. Everybody walk around with swamp butt with this weather. God <laughs> damn it. Take it away.
0: <laughs> uh, September will come. But so so there's other parts state where you can go into different parts like towards like one of the Great Lakes, um, like Lake Michigan, and it's funny that the temperature changes.
1: Oh nope, I stay close to the lake. It's still hotter than the jalapeno ass. <laughs> it's still hot. Nope, a little close to the lake. It's still hotter than hot. No.
0: So <laughs> so once you head more more north, okay, north way north of Milwaukee and Sheboygan, up towards the uh, wine country up that way. Uh, drink uh, to that, The wine country. Yes, as Mister Bartel, we're uh, gonna maybe try to see if we can squeeze in this here. We'll see what we can do. I don't know. Wait, is the winery who. here? Uh, there's there's actually a winery and distillery in my city. Actually, um, what whoa, is whoa, it
1: whoa, you didn't tell me this, and I was there already.
0: <laughs> How dare you? How there's God, a winery goodness. and distillery. How uh, dare you? <laughs>
1: Not tell me this. You know oh, I that, love my wine.
0: Actually, actually, take that back. There's actually a winery in town, and there's one like within like twenty minutes of my house. Another one, so two wineries. You're
1: going to Shady Pines now.
0: No, 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 no. Yep,
1: you're Shady Pines. <laughs> no. How dare there be a wine disp the dispense distillery? <laughs> oh, that's, that's right. <laughs> okay, What are we talking about again?
0: <laughs> <laughs> dispensaries are for those people that do this stuff. Okay. Okay, that stuff. Okay, okay, that's the you know the the four four two zero. Okay, those people. You know, not the, not the not the area code. Okay, okay. All right, not nine two zero
1: four two zero. So, oh yeah, right. How dare you not tell me about the wine dispensary? <laughs> dare you?
0: He thought about the wineries. The two yeah.
1: of them. Yeah, I'm offended. I didn't know. And that
0: then that. there's there is also a distillery. The distillery has regular alcohol like hard alcohol hard that like hard knock you knock you down on your butt hard
1: alcohol. i mean there's no such thing as knock you down on your butt hard with my family because i am tell you they groom you from a young age uh, you your your liver is gone by the time you're 18 so you know they groom you from a young
0: age. oh my goodness it, it <coughs> runs, runs oh my goodness oh my god it runs in the family so so, so next time so next time when Mr. Martell comes up by me and rolls up we will go to the winery and we will sample we will do our 10 samples
1: 10? oh I'm really (laughs) mad at you now what?
0: You didn't tell me it was 10 samples. <laughs> Could be six. I don't know. I'm not sure what they're doing. Anymore. They used to be 10. They, oh, uh, they, they might have changed it to six,
1: but. How dare you. My feelings just hurt right now, Derek. Oh, they're you're right. fine. Take yeah. your feelings. They are. Take cursed. your feelings. And just I, I am all the... Right now. I don't even know if I should be clenching my pearls. If I have some oh, pearls, my i God. Pearls <laughs> to clench right now. I'll be clenching my pearls right now. Just I'm just so upset. Do y'all hear this? Everybody knows how much I love wine. And there's a winery. When I was in Funelec, it didn't tell me.
0: And we, we, we should have probably went. So next time you come up, That's we will go.
1: we want to burn down a whole city.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that, so we, we take our next little adventure in August. We will we will go look, okay, and then. Well, maybe we'll do an adventure in September. And maybe we will go to a whole bunch of wineries. A whole bunch. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch. And that will include going to a dive bar for food. Mm-hmm. So you say. <laughs> I got to hook up. I do. I got to hook up.
1: Oh my good. these poor children. You know, I'm going to have to, y'all, I might have to wrap up the podcast early this week because these poor children would not let me record in peace. They're steady knocking over the equipment. I'm so happy y'all can hear (laughs) all this equipment knocking over
0: in y'all ears. So thank you all for tuning in to this episode.